Welcome to the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. This is a show about pushing through obstacles and hard times in order to live a happy and fulfilled life. I'm your host, Ted Fayton, and it's a pleasure to have you joining us. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Let's grow. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. As always, it's a pleasure to have you. And as always, a big shout out to our executive producer, Andre Suttles, Suttles Solution Media, for helping to make this podcast possible. I'm excited to share today's episode with you. We have a great guest, the blind blogger, also an international speaker. Don't laugh at me, Maxwell Ivy. (laughs) How are you today? I'm doing good. I I really I'm really loving your idea of this uh, of this pre-interview for Patreon because it it really breaks the ice. It it got me you know not that I have trouble getting loose anyway, but it got me uh, more connected with you. So I'm thinking maybe I'll start doing this on my podcast. I don't know about Patreon or not, but I mean I think uh, it's a great way to get things started. Um, we're both having a great day. Yeah. Uh, we've already had some fun talking with each other, so now we're ready to share some some value with our with our audience out here. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I mean, I, I like having that little icebreaker because it almost makes us acquainted before we get acquainted with the audience and, and the listeners. So I appreciate you taking the time to to participate in that and this episode as well. And as always, I want to make sure that we give the audience and the listeners an, an opportunity to meet the guests. So why not really quick introduce yourself and tell them who you are and, and what it is you do? Okay, my name is Maxwell Ivy. I am known around the world as the blind blogger. I have gone from a failed carnival owner to respected amusement equipment broker to self-help author, motivational speaker, online media publicist, singer, traveler, and host of What's Your Excuse? Um, I've done this by deciding to find solutions instead of making excuses, which is where the whole What's Your Excuse thing comes from. I also totally believe in asking for help and accepting help when, when offered and building a community to help me accomplish my goals. And also just being determined to find the good in every person, uh, event or experience that comes my way in my life. So, um, I've also had gastric surgery, changed my lifestyle, and lost over 250 pounds. Nice. I'm the author of five books. Or excuse me. Yeah, five books, counting the collaboration that I did, with a sixth on the way to finish my travel series. So a lot of, and, you know, people can find me at theblindblogger.net. And um, really just, I just, I'm easily distracted is what it comes down to. You know, <laughs> I like opportunities and challenges. And um, one host even told me that I, he, to him, it seems like I'm comfortably comfortable being uncomfortable. See, now I now I had a tongue twister there. So, and I am sorry about laughing at you. I'm I'm a podcast host myself, so I shouldn't have done that. But I just couldn't do. I couldn't stop it. I'm sorry. Yeah. Hey. No. No. It's it's all fun and games. And and hey, the listeners know how how authentic we are here. So it's very much welcomed. We we love having having fun here on on the show. So don't even worry about that. And if folks can't get the hint from the blind blogger and the show, what's your excuse? Um, it's it's really amazing everything you've accomplished, giving the challenges that you kind of embarked on at, at a young age. I, I, from my understanding, you were in high school when you started losing your vision. Is that correct? 
Uh, actually, when I when I was in beginning junior high school, I lost a lot of my vision. It's uh, I have retinitis pigmentosa, which is a degenerative eye disease. Most people know as RP. And for men that have it, it's very common for them to have a large drop off in vision as they go through puberty. As I like to say, I lost my vision about the time that I would have liked to start looking at girls, but then I couldn't see them. I could see them in two dimensions, but we all know that's not any fun. So um, I uh, had vision stayed pretty stable until I entered college. By the time I graduated from college, it was down to what it is now, which is very low light perception, not technically totally blind for the purposes of clinical trials, but I have no functional vision. For example, if I want to know if the lights are on before I press record to start my podcast, I have to look directly at the light source and it has to be a bright light. And in fact, I have one of those uh, light stands off to the side that changes colors. And even though I'm looking almost right at it, I can't tell you what color it is. Oh, wow. I, I mean, that's, that's amazing because I'd be interested to know um, how the loss of your vision impacted your, your ability to not only do what you're doing now, but when you were mentioning it being in the carnival business to then starting your online businesses, I'm sure that brings a new host of challenges along with it. Yeah, but I think the way I lost my vision actually uh, helped prepare me to be in the business I am now, because as you well know, uh, whatever we're doing today in uh, YouTube, Facebook, whatever, tomorrow may be totally different. So going from reading regular print books, which I've always loved to read and started reading at an early age. And one of the things I really miss is not being able to pick up a print book, a hardcover book and read it. So going from regular print to uh, larger, to using a magnifier, to using large type books, to having to use a closed circuit monitor to put the, the te text up on a screen, uh, to finally having to learn Braille. So you know, think about how every time my vision changed, the way I did things had to change. And I think that that prepared me for a lot of things that have happened now because you, I had to become very adaptable and flexible. And also me and the people around me had to become uh, creative problem solvers. So that helped me a lot. Also, growing up in the carnival uh, family, uh, a lot of times I was around other, you know, my brothers, my cousins, aunts and uncles. So uh, outside of school, there was kind of an insulation. And in school back then, uh, there really wasn't the same kind of of bullying or, or problems with other students than there, that there are now. Uh, I was blessed to go to a school system where they had a lot of money and believed in spending it on their visually impaired students so that I got a lot of help. And the people that worked with me were you know not married to any particular solution they were like okay let's just figure out what works for max so he can pass this class this test graduate you know uh so i i think that over the years i've learned and i think most people that are watching us there are things in their life where they had to adjust they had to learn to adapt to the situation or the circumstances and while that may have not been a happy experience, those are things that, you know, if you if you accept them, if you if you find the lesson in them, those are the things that can help you now. Say if you're building a business or trying to hang on to your job in COVID, 
uh, or you're wanting to start a creative product, a book or an album, you know, that thing that you've survived, overcome, it doesn't seem like a big deal. Those things have taught you something. And, you know, if you'll take a little time and remember those events and how you managed to survive and overcome those events, if you think back on those things in a positive way, you can use those as fuel to move you forward when you have new challenges that are probably strange and different and harder compared to what you've been through in the past. So yeah, yeah I've had vision loss. I've lost a family business. I lost my dad who was also my friend and my business partner who I'd gone up and down the roads probably a million miles or more over the 15 years I was working with him. You know, um, I had to start, when I started my first website, Midway Marketplace, uh, I had to learn how to hand code HTML because that was the only option for a blind person given the technology at that time. Wow. Yeah. And so I did the W3C.org tutorials and I taught myself how to, code HTML. It wasn't elegant. Um, people, if I ever had to show somebody some of my code, they would always make fun of it, but it worked. And I created the website. And over the years, that website has sold hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of equipment on five continents. Wow. Uh, you know, and if anybody wants to look at the website as it used to be in 2008, which is the last one I have, you can go to archive.org and search for the Midway Marketplace, and then go to 2008. But I will advise you, do not look directly into the screen, and you might want to put on some sunglasses because <laughs> it was really bright. I mean, um, I picked the colors myself, and I've been told over the years that Ray Charles and Stevie Wonder could have argued over the my website. It was yeah. that bright. I mean, it was, it was, <laughs> it was bad. But, it but was I, bad, I, but... I, I gotta so say too, I, I love your I love your, yeah. your sense of humor, Max. Because I mean, I I can tell along the way, along the journey, um, you you've been able to make light of every situation that that's come across your way, and even with the with the title of your show, you know, what's your excuse? You, you really seem to have this, you know, hey, let's let's keep pushing forward type of mentality and this kind of this kind of personality of of looking at, for the positive and finding the good. Has that always yeah. been part of you? Well, see, I grew up with a strange person. My my dad was a Southern gentleman from South Carolina. And he, well, actually my entire family, these, these people that, um, you know, in the carnival business, there really isn't any room for feeling sorry for yourself. There just isn't time because people don't care about you. All they want to know is can they ride the Ferris wheel and buy a funnel cake on Thursday night? And so if you don't, get open nothing else matters so you know there like i said there isn't a lot of time for feeling sorry for yourself it's like okay you have a truck on the side of the road how can you get the ride that was being towed by it to the next town so you can get open and that's the environment i was raised in i was around a lot of people who were doers who were never had everything they wanted to supply their business and just had to find a way kind of like people that are farmers or ranchers or people whose families own the mom and pop, you know, general stores, dry cleaners, whatever. We don't, none of these people have all the resources they want, but they have that spirit of we're going to find a way. And uh, my dad taught me that he, he used to have an expression when, when things would be really hard and we would make opening and the help would come up to him and go, Max, how did y'all do that? 
and he would always just look at them and of course, and this is going off of other accounts. He would look at them and he'd smile and he'd say, what, did we have a choice? <laughs> you know, you grow up with that kind of attitude. You, you know, it's, it's like, what did we have a choice? And we didn't have, I mean, one time me and him went to Louisiana and we had to load some, we had to load a ride on a truck or on a trailer that was above our heads, the platform where the, where the ride parts were going. Me and I helped him load that ride with my pants around my ankles because I didn't have a belt or suspenders and we needed to get that ride on the trailer and get out of town. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and that kind of leads me into something else I like to tell people when it comes to just, you know, we're going to find a way to get there. You have to be willing to do things that are dirty, that are pain, that may, maybe painful is not the right, that are dirty, that are distasteful, that take effort. And things and things that don't make you look good, you know, quite often the solution may be a little embarrassing. So I like to tell people, hey, life ain't the Olympics. They're not going to give you style points. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's something we've said you on know, the podcast, you know, too. Also, it's, it's, you know, a lot of times success and opportunity shows up looking like hard work and people don't grab it because they're afraid of that hard work or they don't want to get dirty. They don't want to do what's hard to get to the other side. Yeah. 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 You know, there's um, there's a thing in the Bible where it talks about how God won't give you more than you're capable of bearing. And everybody thinks that's a negative, like he won't put, won't give me more pain or suffering than I can handle. Mm -hmm. But I've learned over the years that also means he won't give you more of a good thing than you can handle. So there are times when he will give you an opportunity or a blessing, but that blessing comes with the some assembly required and batteries not included and <laughs> something else, I, you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> kind of like the Ikea assembly where you got to make the furniture yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thank well, goodness you I've never had to live somewhere I had to get Ikea, man. But I don't mean nothing bad about Ikea, just in case you're considering sponsoring the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's all love, all love for the furniture giant. Um, you there mentioned you finding the positive is, is kind of like finding your keys or finding the remote. Um, for our listeners who might be stuck in a negative mindset, right? When something happens, they only see what's in their way. They only see the excuses. How can they break that habit? How can they actually find the positive in their day? Right. I'm glad you asked me this. And I really need to add that particular expression to my emails that I send people because it is a very good point. Look, being positive, finding the positive, staying positive is hard work. It takes action and it takes practice, but it's easy if you'll make it a habit. And here's what you have to do. You have to decide that something good is there. Um, which means that I, something in your day that's happened already or something that's going to happen. Maybe you don't know what it is yet, but you expect something positive to show up later in the day, whether it's meeting a person, ha uh, participating in an event, or having an experience, no matter how small that experience may seem to someone else. So first you decide that there's something good there or something good is coming, and then you look really hard until you find it. Just like with your keys, your remote, your smartphone, you know it's there somewhere. You don't know where. You're just going to keep looking till you find it. And if you can't find it on your own, you call the rest of the family into the room and have them look for you. And I, I personally, when I think about this message, I think of a living room that's just torn all the heck with the cushions laying on the floor mm -hmm. and a guy sitting there with a remote in one hand and a beer in the other hand. And 
smile on his face and his favorite or or a girl sitting there with a glass of wine in one hand and the remote in the other hand, you know, I and a big smile face. But it really it's a decision, it's a practice. And trust me, it's not one of those things you can do when disaster strikes. It's one of those things you have to do every day so that when the really big hard stuff happens, you're you've got the you've got practice, you've got experience in finding the good. And I will give you all a great example from my life. I I sold a quarter of a million dollar carousel in 30 minutes a few years ago. Uh, the owner and the the owner and the buyer were connected through my LinkedIn network and the ride was sold within 30 minutes, literally. Nice. Um, within two months, the ride had been inspected, loaded in containers, shipped, delivered, passed the inspections in Australia, and was set up and operating. So for a piece of equipment that big, it was a double-decker Italian carousel that took three containers to ship it. Um, I never got paid. I emailed the guy, I phoned the guy, I tried to shame the guy, friends of mine tried nothing. I didn't get paid. I finally had to accept, okay, I'm not going to get paid. So after that, I'm like, Max, this is really bad. And, you know, with your reputation, people are going to wonder, how does Max deal with this? And so what I did was I made a list. I made a list of all the positive things that came out of it. And the first one was, hey, Max, you sold a quarter of a million dollar ride that had been sitting in storage for 10 years for thir- in 30 minutes because of the power of your social networks. That's big because that verified what I would tell people on my emails that I was capable of doing. Now I had social proof that I could actually do that. The, you know, and to me, that was big because it, it validated my whole business model. You know, yeah. Very important thing. Um, also, people started visiting my, I wrote a blog post about it as if everything was cool. And thousands of people visited the website. Uh, many people asked me to locate difficult to find rides for them or games. Lots of other people asked me to list their equipment. Um, you know, I got a, a mention from the Mutual of Omaha uh, AHA Moment team, and they gave me a hundred dollar. Uh, they gave me a hundred dollar uh, Amazon card, which I used to buy my first new clothes after the gastric surgery. Which, nice. you know, at that time, everything, everything I had at that time was draw, draw strings and pullovers. You know, I didn't have any, I didn't have anything nice because, you know, <laughs> we had to throw all that old stuff away. Um, so th- they did that. And uh, like I said, I made a lot of new connections. So I made the list and I'm like, you know, Max, um, you know, we had already picked out the car we were going to spend the money on. And I'm like, this is disappointing, but here are the positives that came out of it. And oh, by the way, uh, starting that day, I, I no longer even talk to somebody until I get an email that explains what they agree to pay me when I sell their equipment. So, you know, I also did that. I also learned a lesson because in the U.S., if you have even an email or a text message or two, you can sue somebody. But if you don't have that, you're out of luck. So, yeah. and, and so I, I share that experience with people. I have other experiences because for some reason I seem to, uh, I seem to have events, but my my good friend Lorraine regularly, who uh, is at worryingwell.com, and I mentioned her because she's my editor, and without her, I wouldn't have published my books. Or if I had, they would have taken longer and wouldn't have been as good. So I, I like to I like to show my gratitude to her. She likes to say, you know, Max, you get into more shit than any one person I know, but you always come out of it smelling good with a great story to tell. <laughs> and if that's not finding the positive, I don't know what is. <laughs> 
the the thing you mentioned too, uh, when you were painting that living room picture, and, and you're looking for the remote or the keys or the phone, you mentioned you know it's there. You said you know, call in the family and have them help them if you must. And you even said earlier in the podcast you're a big advocate of you know asking for help when you need it. How is that helpful? Because I know there's a lot of people listening, a lot of our audience, there are a lot of self-starters, there are a lot of uh, very entrepreneurial folks and, and solopreneurs and all that. And they're, they all think, okay, you know, I have it figured out. So they have a hard time asking for help. What's some of the benefits that you get when you, when you kind of like put your hands up and say, hey, I need backup? Yeah, well, uh, first off, I want to start by saying that the idea we're supposed to do all this stuff by ourselves is one of the biggest, most uh, dangerous, destructive lies on the internet. Mm-hmm. It's even worse than some of the political lies because it damages it damages the lives of people trying to build a business, trying to create something new of their very own. And you know, really, this it, the the whole idea that you're supposed to do it yourself makes a lot of people depressed, frustrated, aggravated. It makes a lot of people quit because they can't do it all by themselves, but they see lots of examples where people appear to be successful in doing it all by themselves. You know, I was, I'm very impressed that when you do your show, you give a shout out to your engineer. I don't remember the last time I was on a podcast where the host mentioned his engineer, even if the engineer, you know, has a company that, you know, you appreciate and you want to mention, it just doesn't happen. So uh, I say that, when you ask people to help or you let people come along on your journey, it becomes more fun. It becomes easier. Uh, it's less frustrating. There's less struggle and you get there faster. That's yeah. my opinion. That's my experience. Yeah. Um, just think if you look at some of the books, was there one guy or seven guys in Lord of the Rings? <laughs> seven. You know, was there, you know, was there one guy or, or what was it like 11 guys in the oceans movies, you know, Mm-hmm. Uh, there are lots of great examples. I mean, you know, Superman was an amazing character, but once they figured out he had kryptonite, then you have the Justice League. You got like nine guys and girls in there, you know? I mean, so I hope more people will see examples where it's not just, you know, the the face of the brand and there's no, and they're like, that guy's doing it all by himself and he's killing it. He's making six figures. Why can't I? So that's one of the things I want to make sure people understand up front is if you are frustrated, because you can't get to your goals all by yourself. It's because you're being lied to by quote gurus on the internet. Yeah. Okay. No, absolutely. <laughs> and, and if, and if, and who knows, I might get a death threat after this podcast, who knows, uh, or at least some nasty Twitter feed stuff. Well, I don't know. You but said the I my way, a- that happens. <laughs> okay. All right. But I do get asked this. This is the one topic that I get asked to speak on the most because you see, I have an advantage. I actually see this as one of my superpowers. And, you know, people do look at the blind blogger as kind of a online superhero. Um, uh, Brian, Ryan Bedolf at, at blogging for paradise from paradise. He likes to call me uh, Marvel's daredevil of the online world. So uh, this is one of my superpowers. Here's the thing. I was raised knowing that I would be losing most, if not all of my vision. So my family always told me, Max, don't be afraid to ask for help. You're going to need their help and people like to help. So the first thing you need to know, if you're afraid to ask, say you're afraid to look for a mentor, you're afraid to look for a collaboration partner is people like to help you. And in most cases, people like me that have come as far as we have, we 
it get a really we get a really good feeling out of helping people that are in that stage we were in a year or three years or five years ago. I personally feel like I owe a debt to so many people online. And when people reach out to me, I feel like, yeah, I'm paying off that debt. And there are thousands, if not millions of people in the online world who feel the same way. They may not see it as a, as a debt. They may see it as paying it forward. So there are lots of people who want to help. And when they help you, they feel good about themselves. You know, they get validated. They get to, to know, hey, uh, somebody appreciates me and all the effort I've put into learning what I know or, or honing the skill that I have. So uh, you need to ask. People enjoy helping. Just think how good you feel when you, you know, you bring somebody's mail in or the garbage or rake their leaves or carry somebody's groceries out to their car. Just think about how good you feel then. And remember that when you're trying to to, uh, to get the courage to ask somebody to help you or ask somebody for an opportunity, which is something I do a lot of now. So uh, I was told always to ask, don't ever be afraid to ask. So uh, really, if you don't ask, they can't say yes. So now the other thing is, is beyond asking for help and the value of it and how a lot of experts want to help you, the, the next hard part is accepting help when offered. Because a lot of people, if you come up to them in, or in person or online, you go, hey, um, I'd like to help you with X. The response is going to be very ego driven. It's going to be personal. It's going to be like, who the heck do you think you are? I really don't need your help. What makes you think I need help? Why don't you go help somebody who obviously needs your help? So accepting help when offered is difficult. We have to remember the other person. Uh, just you know, remember that the person who is offering had to show courage, uh, probably more courage than at, when you ask for help. They had to show courage to reach out to a stranger or acquaintance and offer to help them with something. And uh, quite often, we are asking we just don't realize we're asking because sometimes we meditate or we pray or we use affirmations as a law of attraction. But some people out there in the world are intuitive. And what you may not know you're saying you're sending up flares saying you need help, but they may read your social media posts or your email newsletter or your blog post or your latest podcast release. And they may go, that person may not know it, but they need help. Yeah. And they will offer to help you. So when people reach out, remember, they're showing courage. So be sure and allow them to help. And here's here's the one expression I like to use most often in this area, which is when you refuse to ask, you rob the other person of the joy they would have received from helping you. Yeah. So in effect, you're making their day harder by not asking. And of course, uh, I told this to a friend of mine who uh, she said, Max, you could also say that when you refuse to ask, you rob the other person of their blessing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's really a, it's really a two-way thing. We learn, we ask, we learn, we grow, then we help other people when they ask us. And so I'm hoping that people will get over this and, uh, you know, find, find that little bit of courage and ask somebody. Now, the one thing some people, one thing a lot of people do is they ask the wrong person the first time. You know, you just like <laughs> if you're, you know, just like if you're, you know, say I say I want to be on podcasts. I'm not going to pitch Joe Rogan or John Lee Dumas day one. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I'm going I'm going to pitch people I know personally who or have acquaintances with who have podcasts, which is which is what I did. Or 
I'm going to pitch people who have had me on their podcast for other people, you know? So you always want to start close to your level, uh, not maybe not exactly at your level and work up. And then one of the, one of the great things now is at least for now we have social media. So you can reach out to people on social media and here's my strategy for connecting with people and getting them to help you. Yeah. Uh, first, you find them and you follow them or you or you offer to connect with them. Uh, then you share their posts. You leave comments on their posts or their podcast or wherever their content is going out at. Um, then you send them a short email seeing if there's anything you can do to help them that you haven't already done. If there's a offer coming up that they want help with or maybe they're scheduling a conference that that they would, you know, might want to a little extra push, more people seeing it, uh, offer to help them. And then after you do that, then you can make an ask. You can say, look, I know you're the expert on this stuff, and I'm really struggling. I sincerely want to build this business. I sincerely want to get this degree. And you know it all, so would you please help me? And, uh, and that usually works. So that's my process. Connect with them, help them, then uh, ask if there's something you can do for them when you connect, when you reach out directly, and then see if they'd be willing to be your mentor or solve or help with solutions to your problem. And then the most important part, gratitude. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to show appreciation for the help that you get. And most people think I mean saying thank you. And for the, for some people that might be enough, but to me. If somebody helps me solve a problem, my version of thank you is I send them an email, I share on social media, and uh, uh, what's the other thing I usually do? I send them email, share on social media, and uh, I tell any of my friends directly that this person did this amazing thing for me. Uh, I may write a blog post. I may mention it in my YouTube. You know, so I – oh, yeah. I, the most important part is use – their advice. Yeah. That's the most important part of gratitude. Use their advice, grow your business. Yeah. Uh, that's how you show you really appreciate what they have told you or done for you is use it and grow. And, uh, then you really have something to be grateful for to these people. And I've, I've benefited from a lot of people over the years. Some of them, I asked directly and some of them just saw, saw something that I was struggling with and reached out and, you know, years later, we're still friends. Um, I have a very, yeah, I have a very large online community and I was one of these people who said you could make uh, serious, uh, deep connections over the internet years before people started thinking that that was possible. But, you know, then I have an advantage, uh, as a blind person living in the suburbs of Texas, of Houston, Texas, uh, I didn't have really a way to get around easily. So I had to learn to do most everything on the internet, which is why I started doing podcast interviews eight years ago, which is, uh, you know, why I would ask for help and uh, make connections with people through the internet because, hey, it's not like I'm going to get myself across Houston, much less across country. That was before I realized I actually could get across the country if I needed to. Yeah. How do you navigate um, all the tech? And I guess we're almost coming up on our time, but really you mentioned asking for help and everything and and to, to, I mean, see how much you've had an impact on the online space through blogging, podcasting, your YouTube channel and, and, and all that, you know, how have you navigated all the tech? I mean, going from 
programming HTML code <laughs> of your first website to, to here we are con, con, communicating and recording a podcast on Zoom? Well, uh, the way I, you know, of course, we have the computer and the phone and the tablet that all will talk now. You know, you've got voiceover from Apple. Um, I don't have one, but some people have a digital Braille display, which is which is very helpful. One of my big things is a, is a third-party app called Mars Edit that makes uh, creating my blog posts uh, much easier because I get to create them in a text document and then just send them to WordPress as opposed to going through the WordPress dashboard, and that makes things a lot easier for me. But really, it's just been... Uh, it's been one thing at a time. And as I've had to solve a particular issue, I've either figured a workaround on my computer or my phone, or I've asked other people. And lately I'm starting to collect some visually impaired people who uh, are entrepreneurs and they can offer me, you know, more uh, specialized solutions on, well, how you do this if you're using a screen reader as opposed to how you do it if you can see it. So and the, and the funny thing is, is that some of my best posts have been where I have shared my frustrations with a particular app or website and how I managed to use it, and only to find out that every sighted person who read that article was like, Max, it's not a blind thing. We have trouble with it, too. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, Facebook, uh, Pinterest, Instagram, you know, I get that a lot from my sighted friends. They're like, Max, we hate them. Why? How do you manage them? And it's like... Um, you know, basically every time they change a website, you have to figure out, well, how, how do I navigate that website all over again using my screen reader? So here, are, these are the options I have. I can use the tab key to go from the top left to the lower right on a page of anything that is labeled so that the screen reader knows it's there. So that would mean the links, the images, the text, the headings. But if people don't label them, then I just skip over. So I can go tab, I can go from left top left to bottom right. Shift tab, I go from bottom right to top left. I have a find command that I can find text or I can find links. There's a command that will let me go by the headings. And then uh, finally, I can, I can use commands to use the arrow keys to go you know, left and right, up and down, either by characters, words, or lines. So I don't, I'm, you know, I've got to figure out a way to navigate a website using those things. And you'd be surprised what a little change will do for somebody who can't see the screen for themselves. And actually, one of the things I've started telling people when they ask me, Max, what would you tell a company when it comes to making their websites accessible? I would say if you update the website and you change a link or a button, you should send an email out to people like me and go, hey, we changed the link from this to this, you know, so you can. Or uh, which, like for example, uh, when Facebook changed the uh, the button from create to write something, yeah, you know, I had to I had to figure. Or when Twitter moved the the new tweet button from the top left to, or excuse me, top right to the lower left, yeah. For twenty four hours, I didn't know that I could, for twenty four hours I was off Twitter because I couldn't find the darn button to create a new tweet. Yeah. Well, we have the same frustrations as well because <laughs> <laughs> Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, it, it's almost as though they change their interface almost weekly, if not like daily. Yeah. So, yes, yeah. we, we all so have when those that same growing pains. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And of course, sighted people are like, yeah, it's it's tough for all of us, but it has to be tougher for you because you can't see it. And it is generally tougher for me. 
and it's one of those things I'm really lately having to understand, you know, I'm, this is, this is one of those things I, I don't think a lot of people really give themselves uh, full credit. And sometimes you have to make a list to remind yourself. But one of the things is, is that to, when I sit down and think about how hard I have to work to navigate a website, especially websites that are changing very often, you know, I don't, it's one of those things I don't think of it while I'm doing it. But if I sit down and make a list, I'm like, yeah, Max, you have to slog through the websites every time Facebook decides they want to change something because they had a wild hair, you know? So it's, uh, so I'm, the reason I'm mentioning that is the y'all out there that are watching, most of you have done a lot of great things. And some of them you've even done in the last week, month or year, but you forget about them because you were in the moment of doing them. And then after you do them, you went on to something else. So really, we have to celebrate our accomplishments, no matter how small they are, when they happen. We need to take that time for ourselves and give ourselves credit for it. And then every so often, sit down and make a list of all the things you've accomplished, the skills that you have now that you didn't have a year or three years ago, the uh, the personal assets you may have. For example, I have this huge collection of podcasts that I've been on, many of whom are my, now my friends that I work with to to help them, you know, like on their projects or to find them guests or to get them, you know, so a lot of that is because I've, I've built up this personal connection asset. I'm not talking about just, you know, your business or whatever. So make a list every so often, your skills, your talents, your assets, your experiences, mm-hmm. and then go at the, because if you make a list, Usually the problem is we don't make a list. We can't make a list in our mind the way we can on paper or in a text document. Make the list so you can remind yourself just how great you're doing. Because one of the hardest things there is in life is to just keep doing what you're doing when you're not seeing the progress. So sometimes making a list will help you see the progress. And just one other thing in this area, I tell people who are big on vision boards that when you create the vision board, also create a gratitude border. Put some pictures up next, you know, next to the car and the beach home and the, and the, you know, sitting on the beach with a drink in your hand. You know, those those pictures are great, but around them, put pictures or, uh, you know, post text of things you've already accomplished, so you can remind yourself while you're doing the work every day to get to the big goal that you have up there. And I so and I like to say it this way that a gratitude a vision board is useless without a gratitude border. Yeah. That's amazing. I'm going to actually adapt that because I do have a vision board. It's just off to my side right now. And putting the gratitude around it is probably the framing that the vision board has. Oh, a frame, a frame. I love that. I've been using the wrong metaphor. Thank you. (laughs) Hey, it's my pleasure. And and Max, I hate that we're at the end of our time, but I definitely want to make sure that um, our our audience has a way to connect with you and, and find more of your stuff. So how can they connect with you, the blind blogger, listen to your show and, and everything else that you're doing. Right. Well, they can go to the blindblogger.net. That's the blindblogger.net. They can also send me an email to just ask at the blindblogger.net. I'm on all the social media networks, but that stuff all comes back to the website. Um, you can find my podcast on all the players. You can also say, uh, you can also ask the little girl in the box if, uh, she will play what's your excuse and she will. So that's that's the way you can listen to my podcast. Lots of great interviews. The latest couple on there are, are Eric Patrick Thomas, a recovering quadriplegic who was 
a gunshot victim 27 years ago and uh, wow. a young lady that lost her vision as well, but uh, continued being involved in sports like horseback riding for equestrian trials and stuff like that. So those are a couple of the interviews because when people watch my show, the goal is for at the end of the episode, I want people to say, hey, if that person can do all of this, what's my excuse? You yeah. Know? And that's so, amazing. I did see some of that interview with that with that athlete. She was amazing, very inspiring too. Um, and and you sing too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she made me. You know, the problem with some of my guests is they're so amazing. They make me feel like a slacker. You know, I'm like, uh, I really need to up my game. You know, I mean, uh, thankfully I can use COVID as an excuse as to why I'm not out <laughs> traveling the world and doing in person interviews. And yeah, you know, so I can at least you know alibi that a little bit but yeah some of my guests make me feel like um they make me feel so unworthy some of them do <laughs> and and i know we don't have time but i tell you what i'd be willing to do another question on uh on patreon just to explain that because i think it's a very important point no yeah absolutely and then i'll be sure to actually make sure some of our listeners go to that as well to get the extra insight um but that is our time max and and i want to uh, recap some of the uh some of the gems that you left along the way i know we we, we hate to go but always have to <laughs> the audience wanting more right <laughs> exactly um just to recap guys because we're so thankful for you making it to the end with us but you know be willing to get dirty a lot of times hard work will will kind of show up and then that's the disguise that success is really in. Your opportunities are on the other side of that hard work. Your opportunities are the other side of getting a little dirty to do what it is you want to do and decide that something good is there. A lot of us can get trapped in this negative mindset of seeing all the excuses and all the obstacles that are in our way. But when you make the decision to find the good and look for it, that's when the progress actually happens hopefully you won't find yourself lifting a, a ride overhead with your with your pants around your ankles but <laughs> we can all find the good somehow some way and people like to help don't rob somebody else of their ability to feel good by helping you ask for help get out of your own way in that and also celebrate the little accomplishments along the way and especially as as max has said over and over you know make a list of your accomplishments realize that you are capable from of more than what you give yourself credit for and just go out there and take that next step towards your dreams we really hope you appreciate we we uh we really hope you enjoyed this episode we appreciate your time max thank you again for for sharing your insight with the audience no problem i've really enjoyed uh, sitting down with you and i want you to know that I appreciate all the hard work, effort, and passion you put into this show. And really, Thank truly, you. sincerely, without people like you, there would not be a The Blind Blogger. There would not be a What's Your Excuse. So thank you for giving me and for giving me the platform. And thank you to also to many of your brethren in the podcasting sphere who have allowed me to share my story and hopefully inspire and challenge a few people along the way. Absolutely, Maxwell. It's It's been an absolute pleasure when you mentioned not feeling worthy among your guests. I, I hold you in that same regard, and that only motivates me to be better, and I hope it does the same for our listeners as well. And if it does, we would really appreciate you sharing this with someone who can get value from this. If you enjoyed the episode, go ahead, hit that subscribe button and that like button. And as we've mentioned before a couple of times, we do have a Patreon page where you can hear more from Max, myself, and our other guests, and you can support the podcast for as little as one $1 a month. So be sure to head that way if you feel uh, motivated to do so.
And as we always say at the end of the episode, everybody wants the sunshine, but they don't want the rain, but you can't get the pleasure without a little pain. Let's grow. The No Rain, No Rainbows podcast is recorded at Camaraderie, a collective workspace in Greenville, South Carolina, right off the Swamp Rabbit Trail. If you're looking for a place to grow your business, network with other professionals, and establish your own workspace, Camaraderie is the place to do so. Get access to high-speed internet, private showers and towel service, free methodical coffee, and free beer on tap. For more details, be sure to head over to camaraderiecowork.com or hit the link in the show notes and find out how you can lock in your space with rates starting at just $99 a month. Be sure to tell them that Ted sent you and try it out for free. You never know, you just might find a new home at Camaraderie. Let's grow.